Hebrews 12, 18-24. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news that is, that is here in these verses for all those who are in Christ. And so, I, I pray that all those who are in Christ will hear it this morning. They will hear the good news. And, and I do pray that those who are not in Christ, those who do not believe the gospel, those who are here for, for any other reason, they're just, they're just kind of here, um, and they've got their reasons, but it's, it's not because they believe the gospel. Uh, I pray that they will find the, the word of God compelling, that, that your spirit would do um, a, a revolutionary work in their heart and in their mind. That they would find the word of God compelling this morning. And again, for those who are in Christ, that they would hear this, that they would remember this, they would rejoice. Help us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. I've mentioned Hebrews 7.25 a couple of times. Consequently, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus saves to the uttermost. So, so this morning, if Jesus is your Savior, then he is your Savior. If, if by God's grace you have drawn near to God through Jesus, if you've found salvation and forgiveness in Jesus, in his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, if Jesus is your only hope in life and death, then, then Jesus has saved you to the uttermost. So if that's you this morning, if you are in Christ, if you believe the Gospel, then then this sermon is very straightforward. It's very simple. It's just good news for you. I just want you to hear good news. That's that's my only goal. Um, Sermons, I I do a lot of... uh, just thinking and reading and, and listening to people who are experts at this kind of stuff. And they talk a lot about what a sermon should be. And a sermon should be persuasive. If it's not, if it's not persuasive, then it's not really a sermon. If we're not aiming to persuade someone. Well, I think the people who would say that might say, this is not really a sermon then this morning. I'm not sure. 
because I really don't have anything particular in mind that I want you to go out and do. Last sermon I did. Next sermon I will. So if you like that, what do you want me to do? If you like that, just, just come again next week. We'll, we'll be here and I'll be telling you what to do. Um, this, this week, I just want you to hear it. I just want you to hear good news. And again, if you don't believe the gospel, I really want you to find this compelling. I'm really praying that God does a work in your heart where you're like, wow, I want that. And if you do believe the gospel, I simply want you to hear this. Our good news this morning comes in two parts. It's packaged in two parts this morning. Part one is, here's where you would be. And part two is, here's where you are instead. Part one is, here's where you would be. Part two is, here's where you are instead. So we're going to dig into it. Part one, in verses 18 through 21, here's where you would be. This is, this is where you have not come, but if, if, if it weren't, weren't for Christ, this is where you would have come. Here, here's where you would be. 18 through 21 are terrifying. For you have not come to what may be touched. It's saying, you haven't come to a physical mountain, Mount Sinai. And then he says, he describes it. He says, a, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, which is like a, a fierce storm. And the sound of a trumpet and a voice, um, this voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. And that's not, sometimes the, Sometimes, this, so this is referring back to the Old Testament, to the people of Israel, and sometimes the people of Israel begged that God would, or they, they sort of turned their back on the word of God in a rebellious way. This is not that. This is just fear at the glory and holiness of God, the majesty of God, just hearing his voice come thundering down the mountain to them. It was like, please, please don't make us hear that again. Moses, you, you listen to it and then tell us what he says. It is too much for us. It's terrifying. Verse 20, For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. So this is the author of Hebrews, and he's, and he's reminding the people of what it was like at Mount Sinai. What it was like when God said, I am going to descend in a very special way to the, to the top of Mount Sinai. My, my presence, my glory, my majesty, my holiness is going to be located on that mountain for a certain amount of time in a very unique way. And I'm doing this so that I can um, give my word to the people, give my covenant to the people, give, give my law to the people. So this is the closest that any of them got to the actual glory of God and they couldn't deal with it. It was far too much. It was far too much. They, they, and, and they were, I don't think they needed to be warned off, but they were warned off by the piercing trumpets and the, and the voice and the, and the law that said you cannot, get, you cannot get too close. In fact, if even an animal gets too close, if an animal touches the mountain while, while the presence of God is there on the top of it, that animal must be put to death. God is unimaginably, untouchably, unfathomably holy. No human can stand 
in His presence. This shows us just how sinful and unclean we actually are. And it reminds us that the Old Testament law, like we, like we sang in the Rock of Ages, there's nothing we could do to make ourselves clean. Foul, we fly to the Rock of Ages. I, when I was a kid, I heard, foul, I fly. I just thought of the bird foul. Like I'm a bird flying to the Rock of Ages. I, I read F-O-W-L rather than foul, like dirty, unclean, sinful. No, we fly to the Rock of Ages. We flee to the Rock of Ages. We run to the Rock of Ages because we are foul. We are dirty. We cannot stand in the presence of God. And this, and the, the author of Hebrews is kind of reminding us of that. And it's important that he does because if you look around, right, if you, um, if you look around, if you kind of just live in the world that you live in and you, and you interact with just sort of the people of the world, it becomes very clear that, that there's, there's no sense of this. No one knows how much danger they're actually in. The, 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 the children of Israel in the Old Testament knew how much danger they were in because they could touch the mountain. They could, they could, they could feel the heat of the blazing fire. They, they, could, they could see the tempest and the darkness and the gloom. And they could hear the voice. But the sort of the people around us it's very clear they have no idea the, the glory and the holiness of God. People are so trivial about God. They, they treat Him so lightly. They're so quick to take His name in vain. They're qu- so quick to just, the drop of a hat, say, oh my God. or, to, or They're just so quick. And, and, they, and they find His Word to be just silly. They, they find creation to be silly. They think they can do whatever they want with, with sex and gender and marriage. They, they think that it's perfectly, perfectly fine to, to murder someone that God has knit together in a mother's womb. But then it's not just out there among the other people, is it? But inside the church, how casual are we with God's Word? And how often do we care more about like, our emotional and physical well-being than we do the glory of God? You look around the, kind of the world out there and then you look at the way you and I are tempted if we're not careful. And it becomes clear, people don't see the danger. We don't hear the trumpets blaring. We don't see the blazing fire. We don't feel the darkness and the gloom and hear the words of warning. One day, one day, everyone who dies without Christ, everyone who dies in their sin, not believing the gospel, they will one day see the glory of the God, of, of the God that they have mocked and, and rejected. And, and they will suffer the punishment for their sin and rebellion. If Christ had not saved us to the uttermost, if Christ had not completely and eternally saved us, that's where we would be. We would be standing there. And we would finally realize 
that all of our efforts to be good were foolish and feeble. Even and because, because everybody, I know we don't live under the Old Testament law. I know, I know no one is trying to kind of earn their salvation by doing Bible things. But everybody is a legalist. Everybody is. Everybody is into works righteousness. It's just that they've decided what a good person is. Everybody decides what a good person is. Here's what it means to be a good person. Here's what it means. So they, they, they decide their own thing, their, their own standard, and then they go out and do the best they can to live according to that standard. And sometimes it is, I mean, very rigid, very moral, and sometimes it is, as long as you don't hurt someone, as long as you're not offending anyone, as long as you're not bothering anyone, just do whatever you want to do. One day, people are going to stand before God and they're going to realize that their efforts to decide what morality was and then go live it were feeble and foolish and they got us nowhere. And then the darkness and the gloom and the blazing fire are going to be realities. So part one of our good news this morning for every believer in this room is that's where we would be. Here's where you would be if Christ had not completely and eternally saved us. Here's where you would be. Now part two, here's where you are instead. Here's where you are instead. You have not come to this So where have we come? Verse 22. Where have we come? Where are we? Verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festival gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks to a better word than the blood of Abel. If you count carefully, you could find seven descriptions into where we have not come, and now we have seven new descriptions, seven new places where we have come. This is where you are if you are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, here is where you are. So we're going we're gonna to spend the next, I was going to say few minutes. Let's make it several minutes. That feels truer. All right? We're going to spend the next several minutes looking at where we are if we are in Christ. Here's the first one in verse 22. You've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You're in heaven you're like, no, I'm not. I'm here with you, Steve. This is not heaven. You're in heaven. I don't think so. You're sitting in your cubicle tomorrow. I'm in heaven. And you just keep saying it to yourself out loud. See what happens. I don't feel I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to be in the midst of a bunch of five and six-year-olds trying to point out the, the just the finer details of soccer tomorrow evening. I'm going to be coaching Tykes soccer. I probably will not be confused and think, I'm in heaven. I think I've I've died and gone to heaven. I've never said that coaching takes soccer. I never will. We are 
we know, we know, obviously, that we're still marching to Zion. We know we're still marching to Zion. We, we know we're still, Hebrews 13 is going to say, we're waiting for the city to come. We, we understand that. We understand that. Here's what you don't understand. What you don't understand, what you forget, what I forget, what we, what we fail to just grab hold of every day, is that we are right now in heaven. If you are in Christ, then you are seated in the heavenly places. Your citizenship is actually in heaven right now. The, the author of Hebrews is not a, a dummy. He, he understands how grammar works. And he has used the, the perfect tense for this verb. Have come. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to the city of the living God. You, you are, there is a very real way in which you are there right now. He knows how to say, you are going, because he says that sometimes. He knows how to say, you will be there someday, because he says that sometimes. He also knows how to say, you have come somewhere, and this is what he wants us to understand. There's a very real way in which we are there right now. We are seated in the heavenly places right now. It is hard for us to completely understand that, and therefore it is hard for us to, to remember it. But we can. And we can, by God's grace, believe it. If you're in Christ, then your salvation is a done deal. You have come to the city of the living God. And, and one day, you will, you will absolutely, physically experience the city of the living God. You will see it. You will walk its streets. You will visit its buildings. You will wander its fields. You will give side hugs to its people. Side hugs. You people who, there's a lot of people in this room who hug the wrong way. You just, you just hug someone. Nope, that's not the way. Nope, that's not the way we're going to do it in heaven. Side hugs all around. Just trust me. People like me, who are a little bit like, don't touch me. We know what's going on, alright? Side hugs. You're going to feel it. And the thing is, in Christ, you're already there. We forget just how in Christ we actually are. We forget. I mean, because we say His, His life is our life. His righteousness is our righteousness. His obedience is our obedience. His death is our death. His resurrection is our resurrection. What we also have to understand is that we are, because He is in heaven, there is a very real way in which we are in heaven. We are, our salvation is, is as secure as Jesus Christ. So we've, We've come. We've come to heaven. It's a done deal. Where else? What else? You have come, the, the passage says, to innumerable angels in festal gathering. You have come to innumerable angels in festal gathering. So a festal gathering was, um, I think we can, we can kind of picture this pretty easily, um, it's when a, a whole nation, or like not the whole nation, but, but a ton of people from the same nation would gather together, and it was usually like, like patriotic. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and it would be celebrating like a, a war victory, or it would be celebrating the honor of their king, or, the, the, or something like that. I mean, I think you, you see the streets lined when, when, when World War II vets would, would come home, and they would be, 
They would be sitting on the, you know, they would just do this big parade for them. And the, and the, and the vets would be just sitting in the back of these vehicles and they're going through or they're, they're, they're walking through the streets and the streets are just lined with people and they're just cheering and celebrating and there's just so much excitement and so much joy honoring these, uh, these, these heroes, honoring their nation, just so much celebration. Where have we come? We've come to one of those. And who's there with us? An innumerable, a number of angels. A a number that cannot be numbered. Of angels. More than you can count. Now in the Old Testament, the angels were the, they were the ones who were the constant reminder of the terrifying holiness of God. They are the ones, I mean, some of the, one of the first places that they show up in the Bible is when they are keeping us out of the Garden of Eden. They are fiery spirits with flaming swords, and when anyone saw them, they panicked. And now there are more than you can count. There are thousands upon thousands of them, and they are celebrating God, and they are celebrating the victory and the glory of Jesus, and we are just with them. Not afraid. Not afraid. We're right there with them, celebrating with them. They're they're the ones who, in the Old Testament, would have blown the trumpets, this piercing trumpet blast to keep us away. And now we are shoulder to shoulder with them, celebrating. Now we, this can feel kind of like science fiction. It can feel like we can kind of get our mind around it a little bit, but it's hard to, it's it's, it's hard to really get a picture of. One day we won't, we, we won't need to try to get a picture of it. We will, we will be there in it. We can be sure of that because it is a done deal. Let's continue on. Where else are we? Where else have we come? Verse 23, And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. So assembly, same word for church. We are part of the church of the firstborn. Now in the book of Hebrews, uh, firstborn, that's Jesus Christ. He is the firstborn. He is the beloved son. He is the only begotten son. He, he is the, he, so he is, and we, we mean this, I think the author of Hebrews, he, he means it in sort of like the eternally divine way, like, like Jesus is, is the eternal Son of God. He's eternally God the Son, right? But then we've seen Hebrews also means it in the, um, in the here is um, Jesus who has come and in his obedience and in his suffering and in his, and, and, and in his righteousness and in his sacrifice on our behalf and, and in his glorious resurrection, he has earned the title of Son, the, the Son of God was, a, was also a very specific title in the, in the Old Testament, and Jesus has, has been given that title by God the Father through His obedience on our behalf. So He is the firstborn. And, and now, look at this though, we are the assembly of the firstborn. We, he is sharing His birthright with us. He's sharing his inheritance with us. 
I want you to just think about something this morning. I want, I want you just to hear this. Just hear it. And then do whatever you want with it. All right? And I know how hard it is to listen to me. I know how hard it is. I, I have, if you are anything like me, you, your, your attention is just all over the place and it takes, you have to work at listening. I just want you to hear this. If you are in Christ, your name is written in heaven. There's an actual book with actual ink where your name is actually written. Because Jesus Christ has brought you into the church of the firstborn. If He has, if he has brought you into His inheritance, your name is now written in heaven. You are enrolled in heaven. You do with that as you will. Next place we come. And to God, the judge of all. We have come to God, the judge of all. So I think if we're thinking correctly and we're thinking biblically, we'll, we'll, we'll understand that it was, it was sheer grace when God created humanity. Like, if, if it would have been just God and nothing, that would have been, God would have been fine. He would have been more than fine. He would have been, um, there is, there is fullness of joy in the presence of God, and God was always in the presence of God. He was fine. It was sheer grace when God created humanity in order to have someone experience the wonder of who He is. It's why we were created. So that we could fall down in amazement before the One who created us. And be stunned by who He is. So it was unimaginably wicked for us to rebel against God and want nothing to do with Him. And then it was sheer grace again when God saved us so that we could experience the wonder of who He is. Experience the joy of being with Him forever. There is no greater joy than that. And, and this verse is teaching us that it's a done deal. This joy is yours. No one can take it away. So whatever pain and sorrow that you feel in this life, that you experience in this life, it, 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 it will be completely eclipsed by the joy of being with God forever. And whatever like happiness you experience in this life, whatever good times you experience in this life, are going to be completely eclipsed by the joy of being with God forever. But, but, but we say, but he's the judge of all. That doesn't sound super warm and super inviting. That sounds a little scary. He's the judge of all. You have come to God, the judge of all. And a few verses earlier, we saw just how scary that could be. Because he is unimaginably holy. So I, there's a couple of things that we have to realize. And this one's hard for us because... We're, we're not super smart, right? We just, we have a hard time. Like, and that's not, I don't, I don't mean like, uh, for a human, your IQ is fine. Whatever, you're fine. You're, you're fine, whatever. I, I, don't, I don't mean that. You're not dumb. But, but you are dumb because you're human, right? We, the Bible calls us sheep for a reason. We, we, have a, we have a limited capacity. We can only really grasp so much. And, and then, beyond that, we also have our own like sinfulness that we deal with that just colors everything. So we just don't always think correctly. 
So we think that God's holiness is actually a detractor. His, his perfect, fiery, glorious, unimaginable holiness is actually something that will, that will make it less nice to be with him. The Bible says the opposite, though. The, 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 the Bible teaches us that God is unimaginably holy and in His unimaginably holy presence there is, there is joy forevermore. That means that it's, that's, that it's His holiness that, that makes His presence joyful. It's the reason why we are going to be stunned and amazed and filled with, with joy that doesn't depend upon us and, and, and that is going to last forever. And the other thing, because of Jesus, this unimaginably holy God has accepted us. You belong with God. There have been times where I felt I didn't belong anywhere. Everybody in this room, you think that I don't have the social awareness to know when I'm not wanted. I have the social awareness to know when I'm not wanted. I know when I don't fit. I know when everybody in the room is, is better at life than I am felt that. Have you ever felt that? Everybody in this room is just better at all the good stuff than I am. I do not belong here. You belong with God. You belong with Him. That's where you belong. You're in Christ, you belong with God. Continuing on, the end of verse 23. And to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. This is all those who have died in faith. This is all those who have gone before us and who have, who have died in faith. Uh, Friday, we had the funeral for Craig Fisher's father. This is him. He is the spirit of the righteous made perfect. You have folks who have who have gone on before you. They they died in faith. They died believing the gospel. They died being held by Jesus. This is them. To the spirits of the righteous made perfect. They are absent from the body. They are present with the Lord. They are fully conscious and they are doing just fine. And this is, and again, this feels a little bit like science fiction. This feels like, it, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel like there's a dimension somewhere where this is happening, right? If you're like me, maybe all of you are not like me. And that's awesome. I actually, that's great. I, I'm glad you're not. But if you're like me, here's what happens. The, the, the really good stuff, but a little bit weird in the Bible, like to think of Dale Fisher as, as, as the, the spirit of the righteous made perfect. That there is a way in which he is absent from the body, fully conscious, and enjoying God completely. That feels like just a really, really good story that I really love. But it doesn't always feel real. Hebrews is saying that is so real that there, is a, that there is a concrete way that you are actually with them already. Not only is it happening, 
but it is yours as well. You are with Abraham and David and John the Baptist and the Apostle Paul and the author of Hebrews. Because you are in Christ, you are with them. So, so they're with Christ, you're in Christ, you're with them. So you're, and, you're, and your glorious future with them is as secure as Jesus is. There's more. Verse 24. Where else have we come? And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. This is actually how you've come to all the rest of this, right? It's because you've come to Jesus. He, by God's grace, He has saved you to the uttermost. He has brought you into this new covenant with God. This new covenant where you stand completely forgiven. Completely clean. He's the one that brought us into this covenant where, where God writes His Word on our hearts and in our minds and changes us from the inside out. Where you can know God and be known by Him. Where you can love God and be loved by Him. Who has done this? Jesus has done this. Through His death on the cross, He has brought you to God. And then finally... You have come to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. When Cain killed Abel, um, it was very much like the, the blood of Abel yelled out from the ground for vengeance and for justice. And I think we... Um, if you watch like homicide detective shows on TV, right? Like the, like Law and Order or or any of the 1.5 million Law and Order spinoffs. If you listen to that, the, you you can you can get a sense of that in in the show, right? Like the the homicide de- detectives, they are driven by the by the blood of the victim, yelling out for vengeance. They they want vengeance and justice. They want to put this right for the sake of the victim. This is the way it was with, with, with the blood of Abel. It cried out for vengeance. For punishment. But Christ's blood cries out. It speaks a different word. It speaks a better word. It says we are forgiven. We are forgiven. We are clean. This is where we are. We have come to the blood of Jesus. This is just good news. I just, I just want you to hear it. I just want you to hear this this morning. I believe that if you're in Christ Jesus, then the Spirit is within you. That God is going to finish His good work in your life. All I want to do this morning is just have you hear this. The blood of Jesus says that you are forgiven. The blood of Jesus says that it is finished. It's a done deal. And it's such a done deal that right now you are a permanent citizen of heaven. That you belong in the presence of God. You belong there. You're not an intruder. You're not going to keep your head down in the corner. You're not going to keep going to the, to the appetizer table so you don't have to talk to anybody. You belong there. 
Your name is actually written in an actual book in the actual heavenly city of God. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word for you. It says you are forgiven. It's a done deal. Just hear this this morning. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. I have such a hard time believing this, God. I go through... So, I, and, I, and I know. I, I, I know it's hard. It's, it's, it, life is hard for everybody. I'm not comparing myself to anybody or anything. But I have such a hard time believing this. I pray that You would, that you would help me just to hear the good news this morning. That you would do that for all of those who are in Christ. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his blood, which speaks a better word. We thank you that since we are in him, we are as secure as he is. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.